a good goal should take some time. And it may be that a good goal means you realize, oh, I want don't want to do that thing anymore. And I want to do more of this other thing. And uh, or it might be that a good goal reinforces what you've already done. It should be an opportunity to learn and grow. Hi, I'm Diane Sweeney, and I'm the author of The Essential Guide for Student-Centered Coaching and our newest book, Moves for Launching a New Year of Student-Centered Coaching. And I'm Brandon Lewis, an innovation and learning coach in Liberty, Missouri. And this is Student-Centered Coaching, the podcast, where we sit down with coaches and teachers to explore how they are supporting student learning. Our hope is that through sharing these stories, we can all grow together. Hey everybody, welcome to our latest episode of Student Center Coaching the Podcast. Um, and I just wanna start by wishing everyone a happy new year. Uh, 2024, it sounds so crazy. Every time we have a new number, it sounds like it's just so in the future. Um, but here we are, 2024. So Diane, welcome and happy new year to you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to seeing what 2024 brings, but I agree with you. Considering I started teaching in 1993, it does feel really <laughs> like a very large number. So I'm I'm glad to be with you and celebrating with our our listeners and starting the year together. I am um, really excited about the conversation we have today. Um, we don't have a third voice on here. It's just the two of us as we are kicking off the new year and with something we often do um, in our own personal life based on reflection and setting goals. I know that's what we're going to talk about um, today about coaching yeah. goals and stuff like that. So I'm excited to dig into that. Yeah. I was thinking about how, you know, we talk a lot about new year's resolutions and everybody always has the exercise more, eat less, whatever those resolutions are. But I like to think about it as goal setting, um, being ambitious, thinking about what energizes us as coaches, thinking about how we can set ambitious goals for our coaching. I think we all tend to come back as educators in a kind of a nerdy way, excited to be back to school, feeling ready to go, feeling like we're ready to slay it as coaches. And so I thought maybe if we just spent a little time thinking about and sharing our latest thinking about really making sure we're doing our most profound and deep coaching work we can do. Um, and second semester is here and why not set ourselves up to really jump in strong into the second semester? Yeah, you, you said it just now talking about like, you know, coming in strong, um, like we can slay it. I like that terminology. That was fun. <laughs> um, I, in, in talking to some of my teammates earlier today and then the administrators in both of my buildings just this week, since we've been back since Wednesday, there's a, there's a different feeling in the buildings um, this week than I feel like we have had that first week in January the past few years. Like people were I mean, would they have chosen to stay home over come back? I don't know. But... <laughs> 
they're like they're ready to be here and they're ready they were ready to see their kids and like i it just it feels different this year and i'm just really excited about that yeah well that's a that's wonderful to hear because that then creates energy for you because you're going to just be able to benefit from that positivity amongst the teachers in your schools i'm curious when you've reflected over the over the break and you are thinking about your return to school what are you focusing on, Brandon? For me, um, I am I'm someone who I spend a lot of time reflecting. And sometimes I, I wonder if it almost creates too many thoughts to where I'm just spinning in motion, you know, and not able to put anything in action. Um, but I really felt like this was an easy break to reflect on one thing when it comes to coaching which I think makes it really, really easy to kind of put that in action moving forward. And my goal is to be um, more disciplined on the seven core practices of student-centered coaching. Now, I, I, that probably sounds silly, especially to people who are out there listening. They're probably like, well, I mean, you're on this podcast. You should be very disciplined <laughs> yeah. in that. And I am, but it's very easy. Um, it's very easy for me to see the see the bright lights or the shiny things or um, allow myself to get very wide when I'm working with teachers and their students in the classroom on something. And I want to do a better job of, instead of going wide, being able to go deep. And I know the way I'm going to do that is by sticking true um, to those core practices. And so that's really what I'm committing to um, the most. I talked to my teammates actually about it. And I kind of was just very honest. Like, I want you guys to know that this is what I want to focus on um, this semester. And kind of for a little bit of that accountability piece too, you know, to where in my work with teachers and students, this is what I am saying that I want to focus on. That's pretty cool. And you know what, just to, to mention for a second, a great accountability tool for that is our results-based coaching tool. Um, because that holds you to the process and kind of forces you to focus because you're, you're really deeply, you're really clear on the process when you're measuring the process. It's that right. old saying that you hear, inspect what you expect. And that tool I would recommend, I know you guys have used it in your district, but I'd recommend really activating around that tool in order to be sure that you're moving through that. That tool is a great account. It's just a partner for, for the coach to have as an accountability partner in a way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, um, yeah. And again, like here I am in in year eight. And sometimes yeah. I even think it's funny to to think like, oh, I want to focus on honing, honing in the core practices as my North Star, which is what a first year coach should be doing. But again, here I am in year eight and it's like, sometimes I need to remind myself, nope, I need to bring it in. And that's what I need to be doing. And that's really where I feel like I am right now. Well, and the thing too about, I think the reason why we, there's a lot of drift sometimes is because school environments are so complex. There's so many things going on on any given day or week. And so it can be easy to lose focus. It can be easy to be kind of that, that rowboat that gets washed off, you know, washed out or is moving around and being put tossed around maybe by the the environment we're in. 
instead of being very disciplined about this is the work of a coach. This is what we're here to do. And this we know impacts kids. So I don't think you should beat yourself up or think like, gosh, on year eight, I should know more. It's it's the I think there's a constant tension. I don't think that goes away. I think every coach who doesn't admit that they can be pulled off course is probably not being honest because it is normal to be pulled off course yeah. a lot as a coach in a school system. Yeah. Um, that is why I, I, I love to, in, in year eight, um, I still love to just look at the graphic of all seven of them every so often to, to just mm -hmm. literally like get that in front of my face again, you know, like yeah. it's such a great visual reminder. So I have a question for you um, about communication with teachers on this. Mm -hmm. Is there a way you've thought of to, to, to name this out loud, to share this work, this goal for you as a coach with the populations in your two schools? Uh-huh. So I, it's interesting you asked that. I haven't thought about it in that way. I So... A lot of the work that has been generated that is starting right now um, is spurring from conversations in late December. When I was already starting to, to mull this around, not something that I like publicly shared with teachers, but it's something that I had been thinking about to where I wanted to make sure um, I had like a good amount of cycles that would take up a large amount of my time for when we do come back now here in January. Um, and so I started setting some of that stuff up. And then even us having the, um, a work day as our first day back before students came was able to, to generate a little more to where I, by the end of next week, will have my calendar how I want it as far as, as my big rocks compared to my small rocks. And I'm really excited about that. So I feel like for myself, I've, I know I'm going to be able to continue to do that. But that's not something I had thought about sharing I guess with the two staffs that I work with. Yeah. I don't so, know. I just Okay, so makes... do you feel like that should be done or do you feel like more of like when these are wrapping up in the next round that should be something that maybe maybe as I reflect upon what is going to happen in the near future that reflection can be shared to generate more moving forward maybe? I think that's a definite option. I think I'm curious if teachers will notice that you're being more uh, structural in your work yeah, as compared one. to casual in your work or more focused in your work as compared to random or, you know, whatever the, the topic is of that uh -huh. week. So I do think if you're really working to be more focused and if we think about coaching cycles as partnerships, I do think it might be worth in those, you know, we always say to start a coaching cycle with some sort of a partnership agreement, a conversation. How are we going to work together? What's it going to look like? When are we going to plan? When are we going to co-teach? Um, what's our goal? All of that stuff. I think, I don't think it would be a bad idea to just weave into those, with those teachers you're already slated to work with, to weave in a, a bit of honesty with, and say, you know, can you, I, the reason I want to do this is because I know we'll get big, bigger impact with your kids. Mm -hmm. And this is really what I'm striving to do as a coach. And could you give me feedback on how I'm doing? Um, yeah, I like that. Just to create a, yeah, it might be fun. It does. I feel like that 
with me seeking that from them does make it an even more authentic partnership to where it's give and take. It's not just one way expecting something, you know, I that's. Yeah. And yeah, I think really that's your style. You're always inviting reflection. That's just mm -hmm. who you are. So it shouldn't, I, I don't think it's a stretch for you. I, I want to just go back a second and just say yeah. how cool that you have your schedule as you want it to be as of next week. I mean, next yeah. week is, that's pretty awesome. That so doesn't that happen. That doesn't happen very often. So I am excited about that. Yeah. How yeah. did you make Great. that happen? If you could help our listeners um, understand like yeah, what happened so, before break that led you to this after break. What there was, was the a little work? bit of work that was potentially maybe starting in December that we knew like, okay, we're really coming up to the break. So maybe we should, I don't want to say time out with it, but let's, Let's push it off and then dig deeper into it once we get back. So there was a little bit of that. Um, and then there also was, um, I approached, like I said, we had that work day on our first day back where there are no students. And I approached that just like I approached like pre-service that we would have in August to where I sent out a very similar um, schedule for people to sign up for that, for that day of times. And I had before we left for break, like my day was, was full. Um, and a couple of them were people that I had already had that stuff some of the work set up for, which was great. Cause I kind of gave them first dibs on, on signing it up. And then I opened it up and it got full, um, <laughs> to the point where I did what we we're not supposed to do. I didn't schedule a lunch break. So I, <laughs> <laughs> but it was great because I was able to work with even more people. So yeah. there's, some of the work is coming from some of those meetings as well. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like not anything different that I did. It just, I think w the cultures are taking shape. And like I said, like yeah. the buildings that I am in are in a really good place right now. We're moving in the right direction. And so yeah, yeah. It's, it's clicking. I can guess that there's some listeners who are wondering, maybe they're new to student center coaching or the scheduling stuff has been confounding, which it often is. I'm curious how many teachers you anticipate in this new phase of coaching cycles, how many teachers do you see that you'll be engaging with for the, you know, for the next short spell of time? It's going to be, it's going to be six. And given and it's, that you're it's actually split three and three with, my I was going to ask that. Okay. Cause you're it's in two an even. schools. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't ever work out that way either. So it's kind of nice to <laughs> I'm actually going to be able to save some gas, you know, it's going to be real great. <laughs> um, yeah. So but as of right great. now it's three and two and I'm, I think it's going to, I think we're going to be able to make it three and three. Okay. Yeah. And those are full coaching cycles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, that leads me to something that we've been thinking a lot about when it comes to supporting districts to implement student-centered coaching. I want to use your example if I can, mm -hmm. just to surface some, some ahas that we've had lately about this. Um, we're, we're finding that we need to help districts, principals, coaches set pretty ambitious goals for coaching cycles, or it just may never happen. You know, it's coaching cycles, like in theory are, um, 
they, a lot of coaches like the idea of it. It makes sense. They're excited about doing them, but there can be a passiveness sometimes, um, or a lack of ability just to make them happen. That kind of that ability to create the conditions for coaching cycles to happen. And so we just posted a blog and we can post it on our show notes, I think, right, Brandon? Yeah, um, for sure. We can link and link it there. But it's it's really the idea that we we titled this blog Expect Coaching Cycles. Which I love um, that title, by the way. Oh good. That yeah, was, that's what that, we should be it, that is what we do. That's what yeah. we should be doing is expecting it. And let's yeah. let's start there being asset minded rather than boy, I hope this turns into a cycle. No, let's yeah. start with that expectation. So I love that you titled it that. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, the and and I think some of the the audience I was thinking about in writing that blog was district leaders. Um, this system-wide approach to where, and I want to give an example. Um, one is in Idaho and one is in Washington. And both of them have set very high expectations for coaching cycles. Um, one of the districts uh, had the expectation of they have 50 coaches and each coach was expected to um, complete in the first semester of this year. They're all in year two. They all got hired two years ago. Mm -hmm. And each coach, all 50 coaches were expected to, to work with four teachers in coaching cycles in the first semester. I don't know yet what the second semester expectation is, but the funniest thing about this is, of course, some of the coaches in the district got nervous. Of course, some of the coaches said, that's too much. That's, we can never do that. But every single coach in the district met or exceeded that goal. And the thing about it that's so powerful is if we, um, if they hadn't set that goal, they would have just been hoping it would happen. Um, and when they set that goal, then there can be accountability. Right. Or I should actually say when they set the expectation, there's more accountability. And then they could figure out how to support people who weren't getting there. And then they were able to say, oh, well, there's issues with how your principal's framing coaching. Okay, let's go have a conversation with the principal. Let's reframe. Let's, let's, let's talk through that. Let's figure out the plan. So it goes back to high expectations. And I truly believe that um, we have a lot of districts we work with who are being pretty passive about this expectation of coaching cycles. And I think, I think it's dangerous, honestly, because I think what it happen what happens is coaches can can settle into being resource providers. They can float through a day in a school and be busy, but are they doing that work that's deep, measurable, and impacts kids and teachers? And the and I get really nervous if no one, if if teacher, if Coaches just are kind of doing it. I feel right. like we got to really double down on this. I mean, I guess, what are your thoughts on that as a coach? If if your district said, we expect coaching cycles and this many, what would, how would that sit with you? Um, when I first joined my coaching team, I will say, and again, when you're, when you're year one and you're joining a pretty high functioning team, that's been in existence together and you're the one who's joining it, you're already feeling like you're behind, right? So yeah, 
And then it was said, we expect coaching cycles, but there wasn't, there was never a number. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually feel like that made it a little harder because you're always wondering and guessing if you're doing enough, I guess would maybe be the right way to yeah. say it. But on the flip side, all it did was turn into a number. And I feel like for me, that was my biggest mistakes in my first couple of years is that it was 100% quantitative and not qualitative. Mm. Um, and we had, man, this probably goes back two years now when we had a conversation um, with a district from South Dakota, I believe, or maybe it was Iowa where we talked to some district leaders and we talked about the way they were making sure that it was equally quantitative and qualitative. So expecting cycles, the quality of those cycles, as well as the number of cycles, I think is super important. And I think in a goal, I think all of those need to be um, present. Yeah. Moving forward. Yeah. And I think we have to collect data um, on this as a system. If we're talking about system level implementation um, and the data should always be qualitative and quantitative. Right. So, and again, I keep coming back to the results-based coaching tool. We I, I knew working, you were going to say that right then. I know you're like, you can read my mind. I mean, but it was we're perfect. Pil- we're piloting um, using a kick-up version of that tool digitally. And it's just so fun that you can see all of the stories, all of the coaching that's happening throughout a district. So that then we could figure out what's the support, you know, mm-hmm. or are there breakdowns happening we should know about. And then also we're, we have um, a really cool one that uh, our friend Chris Cretrona from um, Ed Sightful put together, which is a Google dashboard. So somehow, whether it's one or the other or some third option where data is being collected so that we can see, like you just said, the qualitative and quantitative impact uh-huh. of the coaching cycles that are happening in the district. I think those things are are very important, but they they need to happen at probably most likely at a district level because, yeah. and it's interesting you say that you didn't have a number, and that made it, it makes me think about um, clear as kind. You know that quote we use so uh-huh. often from Brene Brown. Yeah. is to say expect coaching cycles and, and you're wondering well, what does that actually mean um that's that's that can create some anxiety i think um to be clear is kind this is what it means to be a coach i also think it's really important that you don't you know sit here with a microphone in front of yourself and come out of everyone's speakers and deliver a number yourself and say this yeah. is the number because every situation is different yeah. every district is different um, even if it's two different districts that they 100% believe in students and their coaching as, as the model. And that's what they, and that's what they live every day. It's still going to be different because of the situation. So I do yeah. to those listening, I hope you appreciate the fact that she's not, yeah. some of you might be like, just give me a number. I just want to hear. Yeah. I think actually, I think the number. Glad, should... I, I'm glad that you're not. Yeah. And I think the numbers should be co-constructed, honestly, Yeah, within that coaching team. What do we think is a good number? What do we think we should be achieving? What is ambitious for us given our, because everybody, every co- district has a different structure for coaching positions. So it might uh-huh. be that I'm an interventionist and a coach. It might be that I'm, you know, coaching in four different schools it, and that the, all those factors would be, a, would, would play into this, but right. 
I would love to see a team sit down and say, what's our number? And I always, I just want to make one little moment of, of um, clarity here on, I like to count, if we're talking about numbers, I like to count number of teachers impacted by coaching cycles compared to number of coaching cycles. It's more precise because a coaching cycle could be with three teachers. So as we think about this, to reframe the language would be good to say, not just how many cycles, but how many teachers did right. we work with? Because right. you don't want somebody to feel like they're misunderstood because they did one coaching cycle, but it was with four teachers. So that's amazing. Mm. And we want that to show that that's exciting and good work. So, yeah. And, yeah. Not, e and not easy to do either. <laughs> right. I always yeah. say that's black diamond coaching. <laughs> that's a skiing I, reference for all uh -huh. those that live on the beach. <laughs> Um, I have one more to caveat here because something we see sometimes is, and this goes back to what you were saying about you're, you're wanting to be very, um, I guess, disciplined around those core practices, mm -hmm. around the, the mechanics of a coaching cycle. Um, I think that we find that sometimes some coaches just start calling everything a coaching cycle. So yeah. we did speak in the blog a little bit to that. And the idea that we want to make sure we're, we're being clear what is and what isn't a coaching cycle. Um, and otherwise it really can muddy the waters in a system for everyone to be calling everything something that it isn't, you know, and that confuses teachers. Sometimes it can be used as coaches to kind of like um, protect themselves from leaning into the deeper work. There's all kinds of reasons. Sometimes we see that it could just be, Coaches need more professional learning around what a, how to do a coaching cycle, and they don't actually know what it is. But I guess I'd just be careful to be very clear on only calling coaching cycles coaching cycles. Yeah. Not calling anything coaching related a coaching cycle. How do you factor in? So, for example, um, you said a district in Idaho set a number for the first semester. Yeah. How does that factor in like many cycles too? Is yeah, that, do you I feel like every district's adding that differently? Like, I mean, I mean, are they half? Like, what, what are we talking about here? How do we count mini cycles? Yeah. I see, I see mini cycles as just, you know, they're really a one and done. They're really getting into the room one or two times. So I just see those as informal coaching. They'd be sprinkled in and around. I wouldn't be so worried about counting those. I think yeah. they'd sit in the in the extra spaces that, that a coach might have. Um, okay. I think we want to measure our full coaching cycles. Yeah. Um, and I, and really I will it. say it, the, the reason I love like the terminology and the way that the mini cycles have been laid out too. I love that it's saying, we know that there will be a lot of really small things that happen like that. So even within that, let's stick as close to the, to the core practices as we can. Yeah. So we still have good practices within that week long time that we're with someone, even if it's not for an entire unit. Yeah. Um, and that could be like an example of that could be that we're still using student evidence to co-plan. Yeah. We're still getting into the classroom to, to work together on, on the teaching side of things. So yeah, I think you're right. Those mini cycles definitely have embedded the core practices, but they're not, they're not probably the, the big rocks, right. I would say.
I know, Diane, you just posted um, in the Facebook group, in the community, about asking people what their um, goal is moving forward for the second semester. So I do, for those of you that are listening, I would encourage you to go on there and on that thread and reply. Um, I think it can be really good for those, especially those that are like, I honestly don't know yet. So give some people some ideas that are on there. And um, there even could be, I know that there, there, there are some people that are on very small teams or they are even the only coach. So maybe we could, you know, provide you with someone that can maybe keep you accountable to your goal. Um, as yeah. Well. Yeah. The community is there for you. Um, it's fun. Cause I've been, I did a deep dive into all kinds of fun um, processes for goal setting just last week. And I, I posted um, a link to what does it mean to set a hard goal? And that was interesting. And it's a methodology around goal setting. And there's um, Warren Buffett has like a two word goal process that I'll be posting about. And there's backward planning goal setting. And um, I guess I'd say no matter what, what you do to motivate yourself as we kind of turn the calendar page, I think I would just make sure you give yourself a lot of um, like a nice mix of pushing yourself to your edge, right? Like really expanding your work, but also understanding that sometimes we have to give ourselves grace and, you know, we're not, we don't want to become, um, I guess, impatient. I, I always go back to that intentional patience idea, but um, it could take some time. A good goal should take some time. And it may be that a good goal means you realize, oh, I want don't want to do that thing anymore. And I want to do more of this other thing. And uh, or it might be that a good goal reinforces what you've already done, like you and having this great calendar set up for this year. So um, it, it should be an opportunity to learn and grow, not necessarily. Um, I'm not a big fan of smart goals. I'm not either. Thank you, thank you for saying that. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like those tend to be very much about and I know, I'm sure there are listeners that do an amazing job using that yeah. process. Some people probably uh, just, it just doesn't stop. work with my brain. There's something <laughs> about my brain and that process. I think there's too many pieces and it feels like it's only about measuring if you're doing a good job or not. I'd like us to think about goals much more as motivating us and getting us to be like, super excited and feeling filled up by our work. That to me is how we need to start this year. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of, we have a long semester ahead. Yeah. So we got to keep ourselves excited for the work. Yeah. I'm curious, why don't you like smart goals? Um, I think they're so like regimented because it's like, yeah. you know, we, you have all these blanks you're supposed to fill in and it's like, I don't even feel like this is even my goal. Like, I think that's just, what it is. Yeah, I I don't feel connected to it whatsoever. You feel like it's a compliance thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that maybe anytime, that's just how it's been used. Yeah. Anytime I've had to set a smart goal, it has a hundred percent been in compliance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's probably what it is. Yeah. Um, I do like that in your so you talked about doing research to a bunch of different types of goal setting. So in the blog post, when you talked about when you talked about the the B hags. Which, yeah. sounds, which sounds really cool to say. So yeah. is that big, 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 hairy, big and audacious? Hairy, audacious goal. Yes. From it Jim takes Collins. a lot of, it takes a lot of guts to come up with something that that's what it stands for. Um, 
But as I remember looking at it, I even have a screenshot of you put in there a link. So I went on to that link and I was digging into it a little bit. And I took a screenshot of the litmus test of uh -huh. what a true BHAG is, basically if it answers these questions. And it was talking about like, does it stimulate forward progress? Does it create momentum? Does it get you going? And I do feel like those are the things that I love and I connect to that. So I thought that was really cool um, that, that, that that link that you put in there, it had that little um, chunk in there. Because I feel yeah. like as a, as a student-centered coach, there's so many dynamic layers to it. And a part of it is also the energizing that teacher that I'm partnering with, you know, like that's part of the impact that I want to make as a coach. So I love, I just love that that was in there. I thought yeah. That was cool. yeah. And one of the criteria, does it get people's juices flowing? Yeah. Yes. We better. If we don't, no one's going to want to work with us. Correct. And then we, <laughs> we won't be expecting coaching cycles after that. <laughs> I know your year is going to turn out great, but I'm excited to see, I guess, what happens in the next month. You know, the short-term yeah. impact you can make and how your reflection on your work continues to grow. I'm also always reflecting on my work more at a supporting systems level mm -hmm. perspective. Um, on that note, I wanted to share something cool we're, we're setting up, actually, if you don't mind, Brandon, but we're um, building out this we're going further than our Facebook community. We're finding, we, I found an amazing platform where we're going to build out a community for our work. We're calling it the Hub for Student-Centered Coaching. And it's going to be a space where coaches can join um, monthly coaching conversations with me, with our team. There's going to be um, proprietary content shared there. We're going to have um, a um, lots of tools and new resources and new videos and new articles and readings and things that will that will sit and live in this space. So I just wanted to share that is in development, and I see that we're going to launch it. I plan for us to launch it no later than April of this year, and I think it'll be such a great resource for. Um, for folks who are singletons out there, maybe listening today and you're like, I don't have a team. I'm in an, I'm a one coach wonder in one school or teams who have worked with us for a while who are wanting to um, kind of keep the work going once, once our consulting work with them is done. I could see it being a really nice fit for um, folks who are maybe um, researching student-centered coaching and wanting to learn more. So if you're, at all intrigued by this idea it's going to be we'll, we'll start sharing information about it through our blog just follow our blog and then you'll get um information about it as it becomes available and i i'm excited i've had a really fun time this break building this out and it's such an intu intuitive platform that i think um i think folks will like it there will be a small cost of, uh, associated with it but we're trying to make it really accessible. So stay tuned. The Hub for Student-Centered Coaching is about to debut. What a what a great teaser for that. I love that. Yeah. Well, that's really I, exciting. I love building community. Any way we can do that is that's what reinforces me every day. Well, that's really exciting. I'm glad that that's yeah. happening. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's gonna be really cool. So as we move 
into the new year. Keep going, keep chugging along, Brandon, and let's check back in on our podcast and see how it goes. Okay, no pressure. <laughs> good. All right, we'll see everybody next time. Hey, thank you. Student-Centered Coaching, the podcast is brought to you by Diane Sweeney Consulting. For more information, visit dianesweeney.com. Music is brought to you by Clemency. You can check them out at clemencyonline.com. There you can find more information on how to download their music. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast where podcasts are found and follow us on Twitter at SC Coaching Pod.